church. Hey, we've got a really special thing this morning. We've got our Vanuatu and team going on the first mission trip for a couple of years probably. So I wonder if Gary and the team could come up. The first of many. So Gary, why don't you just tell us what you're going to do over there? First one is Pastor Tavik, who is part of Faith City for nine years. And during the first Advent, he was received into the great man of God, and I'm excited to see that. For us, it's a privilege to go over and work with him again and reconnect with him. And another friend of ours, he only came the once, but there was something special about that man as well. So we're going to go and connect with his dad's church. Um, they're in a similar area in just outside of Port Vila. Um, so we're going to go and connect with them. We're going to, um, they're a very poor church. And so we're actually helping to resource them with um, things for the children's church and just for them themselves as well. Um, but we're going to be looking at um, Pastor Chavik. He... Um, his village, he started up a kindergarten, and uh, that kindergarten is now the role model for all kindergartens to be uh, being set up in Vanuatu, uh, it's been government sanctioned, and he's now starting up a uh, primary school in his village as well, so we're going to be going in and working with the kindergarten and the schools, and there's also a public school in Vanuatu, which um, one other time that we went there, we went in there and um, young Lee, my youngest boy, and our uh, other two boys, we went in there and they, they did some skits and uh, Lee did a, a, a really great clown performance for the kids and, and they really responded to that. And it, it, was, it was just fantastic. So we're, we're going to see if we can go into that school again um, and um, do some skits there and, and just preach a So that's basically what we'll do, but we'll also um, be going into town. As you walk around, um, you can just talk to the people. They're very, very friendly people. They're very inviting, but they're very, very polite as well. And um, so we're going to walk kind of hand in hand with these people because they've got a hunger for Chavik, his wife got cholera, because normally that's a death ticket. Um, he was on another island. He, um, we prayed for her over the phone, and she was instantly healed. Um, because they can't afford to live. That's a big problem. So, um, so their, their faith is just amazing. And so I want to grab a hold of some of that faith and bring it back to her. And Amen. For the team here. This is what it's all about, is actually going over there, um, stretching themselves to um, to actually step out in faith and do what God has called them to do, and um, to come back here 
when you go, your faith level may be here. But when you get there, your faith level goes up to there. Right. And it doesn't come back down again. It stays up. Yes. And every time you step out in faith, it rises, it rises, it rises. Amen. And so this is what I'm excited about for the team. Um, and we've got a great team. We really have an awesome. awesome team. Why don't we just give them a clap? Church, why don't we just reach out our hands? We just want to pray for them. We want to send them uh, from this place. Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for Gary and Glenda. We want to thank you for this team. Lord, for the, uh, for the sacrifice, for the time, for the finances that I've put aside to go into this nation. And Father, we pray for maximum impact. Father, we pray for signs and miracles, Lord, amongst the people. Father, we pray for those that don't know you to come to you in Jesus' name. Father, on behalf of Bay City, Lord, we send them, Father, apostolically into Vanuatu, Father, to carry, Lord, the anointing of this house, Lord, the breakthrough, anointing in Jesus' name, that, Father, leaders and pastors would be encouraged and inspired, built up, Lord, that they may take their own nation for Christ. Father, we bless them and release them in Jesus' name. Amen. And I will make sure we get them up when they come back because we want to hear all the stories. You know, these are real harvest ground in Hawke's Bay. We have something like 5,000 Pacific Island and Indonesian Filipino workers come into this area every year. And, and they just flood in this place. And I work in the industry. I work out on the orchard, so I see them. I connect with them all the time. And they're a fantastic people. But that's, that's a mission ground right here. And uh, we've impacted many, many people just in this church that have come here, but also just out on the orchards having an impact with them, um, sharing the gospel. And, and they take that back into their countries. But, you know, I love, I love missions. I love overseas missions. It does something, it does something to your life. That, uh, that, that you can never come back from. And uh, when you go over to different nations and these different tribes and cultures and, and tongues, and yet everyone, but, but you're one spirit with them because they all worship the one God. There's just an affiliation you have with them. There's a connection you have with them. And actually the first country I went on a mission trip was Samoa. And, uh, and we traveled right around the island and I went with our youth and young leaders pastor from here, a guy called Pastor Matt Casson. He runs a church in Brisbane. And we went over there, and we had an amazing time. And I kind of just carried his bag because I was a very young Christian at that time. And, uh, but I do remember eating some octopus on one of the last days, and my whole face broke out and all these sores. And, and then they told me, oh, yeah, a lot of people get allergic to oct octopus. So, but I, I remember that. But, um, you know, God has much more for us. God, God just has so much more for us. But he doesn't tell you all at once. He kind of, uh, you know, he slowly lets you know. And in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, it says this. 
It says, I has not seen, nor heard, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Who love him. So if you think you've seen it, you haven't. If you think you've heard it, you haven't. If you think you've thought about what God's going to do, you haven't. Because it's all ahead. Because he says we haven't seen it, heard it, or thought about it yet. And, uh, and I remember um, my first, I suppose, real mission trip to Uganda uh, in 2004. And, and Pastor Mike sent uh, myself and Andy Mason to Uganda. Who, who was here back then? And you remember that when we came back? That was unbelievable. So he kind of sent us out to spy out the land. And uh, so 33 hours later from leaving Napier, 33 hours, we arrive in Uganda, and we're shot. We're just so tired. But anyway, we, we, we have a night in Kampala, and, then, and Pastor John meets us in Kampala, and then we, we drive five or six hours way over to the border of Kenya to a, to a, a town called Buzia, a, uh, a border town. And uh, at that stage, John lived in this little wee house, and, and, uh, and uh, Jessica cooked outside just on hot coals, and but anyway, we, didn't, we just didn't know what we got ourselves into. And John, you know, because when you go to Africa, there's no time. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to do. You know, we tried, to, we tried to talk to John about what, what do you want us to do. And, and he said, I'll oh, just prepare a couple of messages. So we thought we're going over there and we might get to share one or two messages. So we said to John, what are we, what are we doing when we're here? And he goes, oh, well, you know, we've got the next 10 days. We're going out to churches every day and sometimes two churches and we're going to be preaching. And, and, uh, and that's exactly what we did every morning. They'd come pick us up late. And uh, <laughs> always late. And, uh, and we would drive 20 or 30 or 40K and we'd, we'd be on goat tracks and bush tracks. You just wonder how these cars can get there. And then we'd arrive in a clearing and there'd be 100 people waiting for us, at least. And every, it would just be a big mud hut or a hut with, with banana palms or whatever. And, and they'd just be waiting for us. And we'd go in and we'd. Uh, Andy would take the first session, he'd play the guitar and sing, and then he'd preach, and then we'd have lunch, and I'd do the afternoon session. So we're there all, virtually all day, and then we'd drive back, and the next day the same again. And, uh, but you know, God uses these places to stretch you out, to really stretch you out. And uh, back in those days, I, I, you know, preaching wasn't normal, hadn't done it much at all, and, uh, and I, I had to rely on my notes. So I'd be standing... I had notes, and I'd just stand here in one spot, just virtually reading the notes the whole time. Uh, and, um, and that was my safeguard. Anyway, about the second or third day, we go into this church, and I, I'm freaking out because the church is so dark inside, you couldn't even see your words. And uh, I'm really freaking out. And Andy's playing, you know, Andy's flowing in the spirit and, and preaching, and, and lunchtime comes, and then I, th I know it's my time. And, and you couldn't see the words. And I'm thinking, God, you've, 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 you've tricked me here, you know. You've tricked me. And I, I, and I said to Andy, Andy, I can't read my notes. He goes, oh, you've got to get up there and flow, you know. You've just got to do it. And, uh, and so, and I did, you know. I, just, I had to. I had no choice. And, man, that just something lifted off me. And I had to get out of my comfort zone. And, you know, we had, we had a fantastic meeting. We had lots filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And, and that was it. After that, it was, there was no notes. There was no notes. It was just, I would just look at a scripture and I'd preach, you know what I mean? But God had to, had to break that. And uh, so, so when you go on a mission trip, God enlarges you. It's like Gary said, your faith increases. And you come back more pumped than what you left. 
and then you carry on here. And, uh, but you know, that scripture that uh, God has so much more for us, for those who love him. But we can't remember, we can't forget that last part. For those that love him. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest gifts or the greatest things we can give God from our heart is to love him deeply. Is to, is to love him and be thankful to him for what he's done in our life and what, what he's done in our hearts and, and to declare that love. You know, there's something, to, something in declaring your love for him in your prayer time, and I do it regularly. I declare it, Father, I just, I love you. I'm so thankful, I deeply love you. And I tell you, when you declare that in the spirit realm, it does something. It does something. And you know, as you grow in your faith and as you, as you um, grow in your love for him, it gets deeper and deeper. And, and, and you grow in intimacy. And then the things you do begin to flow out of that. You know, you, because we want to have an impact with people. We want to touch people's lives, but we want it to be genuine. We want it to, to, to flow out. You know, even Paul said, you know, there's some that are preaching the gospel, but it's for, they're doing it selfishly. It's for their gain. And he said, but that's all right because the gospel is getting preached. But then there are others who do it with a genuine heart. And I want to be one that does it with a genuine heart, a deep love for Christ, a deep thankfulness for what Christ has done for us. And uh, this morning I want to share about impacting your world for Jesus. And, and this wasn't my message, actually. Kate messaged me through the week and she said, oh, what, what are you going to speak on? And I, and I didn't answer it back because I didn't really know. But I had, I had something in my heart that I thought, I would speak on, and then yesterday I went to put it all together, and it just wasn't happening. There was just like this big hand up saying, no, don't go there. But you know what you do, you persevere, you persevere, you know. <laughs> you kind of, you block the air and you keep going, no, I've got to, you know, it's only tomorrow, I'm preaching tomorrow, Lord, this is the message. And, uh, and I went home at five o'clock and I walked in, I said, Sharon, I'm freaking out. <laughs> and I said, that, that, that message, it's not going anywhere, I just, I can't get it to work. And she, she says, why don't you just speak, speak on this? And I said, you know, you're right. You're, maybe you're right. So I sat down and immediately a bit of a flow came. So I, I heard the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but, you know, but, but because the other, the other message would have just, it would have been a message if I'd managed to get it together, but it was like a, just, it was like a brick wall. And uh, so I want to share on, um, on impacting your world for Jesus. And, you know, all of us have a have our own sphere of influence. Every one of us have our own community of people that we engage with, uh, you know, whether it's school friends, whether it's family, whether it's just your general friends, your work friends, people at the gym, uh, uh, wherever you've got your own world that, that you can influence. And you can influence like no other person because these people are around, are, are around you. And... Um, and and these are the ones that, that God's given you to touch. These are the ones that God's given you to, to, um, to have an impact with, to pray for, to believe for their souls. And, uh, you, know, you know, everyone here that knows Jesus, everyone here that, that uh, um, has received Jesus Christ, if you're online and you've received Jesus Christ, then you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. And, uh, and you know, we are, we are living, walking testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we need to see ourselves like that. We're living, walking testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the message. We are the message. People look at our lives. And, uh, you know, in the, in the industry that I work in, they all know I'm a Christian. 
And, uh, and not that I've spoken to them about it, but they all know because I don't hide it. And when an opportunity comes, I'm willing to share it. Just a few weeks ago down at the Horticulture Conference, I had, I had two or three hours with a guy in the early hours of the morning and um, as the topic came up. And it was funny because what brought the topic up is I started talking about Brian Tumaki and, uh, and, uh, and challenged, challenged his thinking on him. And, said, and I said to him, you know, the only thing you've ever heard from Brian Tumaki is out of that box, out of that TV. But I said, did you know he does this and this and this and this? And he didn't. And, and he admitted that, yes, he's right. He just, I knew what he'd heard from the box. And, uh, and then Brian was here. And you know, what a fantastic write-up he, they put him, they got for the paper on Monday night. If you didn't see that write-up, that's probably the best one we've ever seen. But, um, but we are walking testimonies. We are messages to those around us. And, and this morning I want to share my testimony. And, um, and I haven't shared it fully, and I probably won't share all of it, but, but parts of it. And, uh, you know, because I'm different now than what I was back then. Amen? You know, uh, back then I had long hair. I had a mullet. Way down here. And then I met Sharon, and my mullet got shorter and shorter and shorter because she's a hairdresser. And each year it just seemed to get shorter and shorter. But I, but I was different back then, you know. And, uh, and I was brought up in, in Rauraka, uh, you know, in that one to, years 1 to 13 as a teen uh, in the 70s. And it was different back then. It was different growing up in the 70s back then, eh, Marlene? Than, uh, <laughs> that, that, than it was now. It was, re- it was really different than it is now. And... Um, but, you know, my mum used to take us to the local Presbyterian church. And, uh, and so I had the seeds of God in my heart. So I've never doubted that God's not real. I've always believed he's real, but didn't really know him. And, and then at the age of 15, I got confirmed, what they call confirmed in the Presbyterian church. When It's pretty much like I think you give your heart to the Lord. And I'm not even sure why I did it. But they, they, at the school, they said, you know, for those who want to be confirmed, uh, you can there's something happening on the Sunday, so I went and I got confirmed. But I believe that sealed something in my heart for what was to come a few years later. And uh, but you know, when you hit 14, 15, you know, your life as a teenager begins to go sometimes a certain direction. As as iniquities and things in your life just begin to direct you on a certain path. And and you can't help it. If you don't know Jesus, you can't help it. You just begin to go on a certain path. And uh, and I thought. I went on this path and that path was drinking and that path was getting into drugs and that path, path was, was getting into fights and that path was all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, God, God you made me, you know what I'm like, you, you, you must accept my path, you, you, you must be accepting this as a way. It's, it's like I kind of justified it by thinking God had created that path for me. He understood, he made me and that was my justification. And, uh, and so, you know, I went through life and I would talk to God regularly. If bad things happened to me, I would accept it that it was a punishment from God. That's kind of, that was my thing. I've had, to, I've had to get that out of me because God doesn't punish like that. God's always good. And anyway, I met, I met Sharon, and um, she was only 19. I'd, she'd just turned 19, I'd just turned 21, I think it was the ages. And uh, anyway, after a few years, we decided we'd go and travel to England. And uh, so off we went. And uh, we worked and lived in England for a couple of years, and we traveled, and we you know, worked and earned money and traveled, and just kind of living aimless lives, but, but destructive lives. 
So we carried on the same things that we were doing here. And we had no vision. I had no vision. I had no purpose. We were just existing day to day. And, uh, and our relationship was in absolute tatters. And uh, somewhere in there, I'd, I'd ask Sharon to marry me. Um, it, it was funny because it was like we weren't in a good place, but I'd ask her to marry me. And uh, in San Francisco, on the Golden Gate, just over the Golden Gate Bridge, actually, just, just for you men that are thinking about engaging. Um, <laughs> and, and anyway, we went, we went back to England. And there, I, I lived, we lived in a big house in Hackney, and a whole lot of us decided to go out clubbing one night. And, uh, and we went out clubbing, and we were there till about four in the morning. And when we left, we took a taxi home. We took a minicab home. And the guy that was driving was a, was a guy from Jamaica. And he, and, he had, and, he had three, and he had three dreadlocks. And I jumped in the front with him and I had a real draw to this man because when I was back here, I used to hang out a lot in the Whakatū with a whole lot of Māori guys with dreadlocks. And I just, you know, you know them all, you know, poor and okay. And, and I, I still go and see them. And, um, and so I had a real draw to this guy and we got back to the house and we invited him in and he, he uh, you know, we, we did some drugs and whatnot. And then I went, I went to see him, I went to see him out. I went to see him out because I had a draw to him. And, and he said to me when I was out there, he said, what star sign are you under the Chinese horoscope? And I told him what I was and I was a horse and, and, and I, I knew what I was and, and, and he was too. And he was too, but he was 12 years ahead. So the, the Chinese have a certain, every year they have an animal. So it's based on a year. And, um, and I had a real drawing to this guy. I didn't know what it was. And anyway, we went out to the car and he, he, we were kind of standing on the porch and he was looking out and he said, oh, I knew I was going to be running into you. But I didn't know that, that there's going to be a problem. And I'm thinking, hmm, that's strange, you know. And uh, so we got into the, I got into the car with him. And uh, now I had never been involved in the occult. I'd never had a, an interest in the occult or in the spirit realm. I was just happy-go-lucky doing my stuff. But anyway, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the car with him and, and he begins to talk and, uh, about different things and he, and he tells me to concentrate. He tells, just, just be still and concentrate. As I concentrate, I feel a, a tug going on in my, in my soul, just right, like here, it was like, this, like a pull. If you can imagine like a, a suction kind of pulling me, and I'm thinking, well, what, you know, what's that? I'm sitting in the car, it was dark outside. And all of a sudden, there was like a pop. Uh, and it was, I was, it was like my heart or my spirit, soul was opened up. And then all of a sudden, he was talking to me in my mind, and I was answering him back. And it, you know what it's like when you talk to yourself in your mind? You can hear your voice. Well, I could hear his voice in my mind, and we were having a conversation. And, and I was blown away. I just... And, I, and at the moment, you could, you could answer back verbally or in your mind. And, and uh, I, I just couldn't believe what I'd just been opened up to. I didn't even, you know, click what it was from. And he was telling me I had this gift and I could do this kind of stuff around the world. And I could, I, you know, I had this calling on my life and it, these gifts and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, I, it, came, it came over me to ask him where the source was coming from. And I don't know where that thought even came from. Oh, well, I believe it was God. But, and this thought came over me to ask, and I turned around and I said to him, is this, I said, is this on the dark side? And I looked at him, and not that I knew much about that. It was like I knew heaven and hell. I didn't really know what hell was. I didn't think what it was. I didn't think it was as bad as it is. 
but I knew I, I thought I was going to heaven anyway. So, and I said to him, um, I said, is this on the dark side? And he said, oh, they let you know when they want to. And immediately my eyes were open up into the spirit realm and I just saw spirits all flying around the car. Uh, he, he said, they let you know when they want to. And, and immediately my eyes opened and I saw spirits buzzing around the car. And then they shut off. And uh, so they revealed themselves. And I was like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, man, no, nah, I'm not, I can't, I can't go that way, you know, I can't go to hell and all this kind of stuff. And he said, oh, no, you can't turn down this gift and you've got this gift. And meanwhile, Sharon's inside the house with all these other people and, and I'm out in this car, you know. And, uh, and he says, no, 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 you can't, you know, you can't turn down this gift. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, no, no way, man, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to hell and, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, a vision just appeared in front of me and it was like a, I was just, it was like a, I was in a trance. It was, I just was pushed back in my seat and a vision appeared. And it was, it's like a hologram appeared in front of me and just And in this vision I saw five steps and at the top of the steps there was a big throne and there was a man sitting in the throne all in a white gown and he was just standing there with his arms on his arms, on the, on the armrest all in white, and I couldn't see his face, it was all in white, and then standing right next to him was another man standing up straight like this on his right-hand side in a white gown, and they began to speak to me about different things in my life. They began to, the first thing God said was, was I needed to go and talk about some stuff with Sharon and sort out some stuff with Sharon. He told me, he told me that what was happening wasn't a mistake, it wasn't just by chance I'd met this guy, but it, but it was always gonna happen in my life, there was, there was access into my life for this to happen. And, and basically, in a nutshell, I had a calling to, to be a warlock or to, be, to, to work in, that, in the kingdom of darkness. And, and there's plenty of people out there that do that. And I had a, a generational calling on my life. When I was a child, I, I vividly remember in bed when I was five, six years old, and I'd remember spirits coming in and towering over, bending down over me and bending down over the, over the, uh, the ceiling. And, and, you know, you couldn't kind of see them, but you felt them and knew they were there. And I had different things happening when I was a kid, but I didn't connect it. But I had a generational doorway open into the occult, and this was their time to, to come and draw me in. Uh, but I believe because I got confirmed and I had the seeds of Christ, that's what, that's what saved me. And uh, so anyway, God, God spoke a lot of things to me and some things I can't even remember. And, and, uh, but the last thing he said was, you... Um, the last thing he said was, it's going to take a lot of willpower. Uh, your passports are coming back this week because we'd lost our passports for three months. I got lost at the home office because they'd gone to an address that we weren't there anymore. And God said, you need to go home. You need to go back to New Zealand. And your passports are coming back this week. It's going to be a lot of willpower. And then, and then the vision left. And this guy had his head down. And then, and then we were back in the same kind of situation. So God intervened. And then he left. And, and a lot of different things happened in the car for about the next 20 or 25 minutes. There was one point after talking with Sharon, she wanted to come out and she got to the door and she just, she just couldn't come out of the door. She couldn't come out to see me. Um, so she sent someone else to come out and he came out right at the end just as some, some other stuff was going on. But it, got, but it got heavier and heavier because, you know, with, with what was going on in the car. And I won't share all that. It's more of in a, in a small group. But, but, but anyway, that, that's what set me off on my walk with God. And I, of course, I got back in the house and was just, started telling Sharon what had happened and she broke down. And you can imagine the scene. You can imagine the, the, the attack I got later that day that I'd lost my mind. And, and, and the attack that you've, you've actually just flipped out. 
you, you've lost it, but you know that you know, you know what had just happened. And I couldn't deny it. And uh, anyway, within probably four weeks, we'd had some connection and, and, and there we were, we're on our way to a church, finally. But by the time we were on our way there, I, I think I was pretty much saved because God had given me that many signs and you know what I mean? And he was touching me and, and I was drawing near to him. But we got to this church and it was a full-on Holy Ghost Nigerian church in, in, in Southeast London. And it was just pumping with people. And we arrived there and they led us right up near the front, about the second row. And, and they were just rocking and dancing and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was just a blubbering mess, shaking, shaking the, under the power of God and kind of Sharon's looking around and, and some other friends. And, uh, but anyway, in the, in the middle of worship, this pastor, he's awesome, Pastor Alfred, Apostle Alfred, and, and uh, he has an older call and about 10 people give their hearts to the Lord in the middle of worship. And, and, then, he, and then he calls up all the new people because and, 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 he wants to give them a word. And, and Sharon went up there and, 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 and this was the, the deal breaker for Sharon. Sharon went up there and he, he just whispered to her, he just said to her, you know, God, God wants you to know I'm working on your relationship. And that's what she needed to hear. That's exactly what she needed to hear at the time. You know, we have a good God. We, ha we have a, a, a God who cares for us. And, and uh, but, so anyway, we, we left and then, hey, that's what God's told us to come home. And so, you know, we, we, we arrived, we left England after a couple of months and, and we arrived back here. And, uh, and this was the first church we came to. Other than my mum's church for a couple of weeks, I, I, I went to go to another church and I couldn't find it. It was like I was blinded to it. And, uh, and so I thought, oh, well, Bay City's second, second on my list. So I came here, and Ian, Pastor Ian Davidson was preaching. Kate would have been here then. Kate, you would have been probably a teenager, late teenager, I think. You see, we were teenagers at one stage. Uh, you know, this, so this is, so we've been saved 25 years, we've been married 25 years, and we've been in the church 25 years. So I have a deep, a deep love for God, a deep, um, a deep gratefulness, a deep gratefulness to Him for, for what He did in my life and how He restored us. And, and so I have a desire to get that message out. I have a real desire to, to, to share the gospel, to share my faith and every opportunity I can get. I don't push it on people. I don't whack people with the Bible. There's lots of friends I've got out there that I've never had a chance to share, but it will come. Because it, but it will come, and, and I, I see the times getting on, so I, 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 won't, I won't share a lot of what I'm going to share. I've got, I've got some testimonies to share, but, but what I want to say is God, God is faithful. Uh, you know, God is faithful, and I, and I want to, um, uh, you know, the Bible says in, in Luke 19.10 that God is not willing that any perish. He's not willing that any perish, but they're all saved. If that's God's heart, it needs to be our heart. We need to get on board with that. That's, we need to have the heart of God. And, uh, and I just want to uh, encourage you with some testimonies, I want, and I won't share them all, but I want, I want to build your faith. I want to, I want to, I want to tell you that um, God will come through. And maybe not the time you want to do, but God will come through. And, you know, uh, when I came back, my dad didn't know whether I was worse as a druggie or as a Christian. He, could, he couldn't work it, you know what I mean? Because it was like, he was, he was actually more embarrassed about that. 
they had family dues and we wouldn't get invited um, because he just, he, he just couldn't understand it. But I made a point uh, of, of continuing to pray for him and believing for his salvation. And my dad wasn't home a lot, but, and they, he'd left mum in our teenage years. Uh, and he was, into, he was the horse racing, drinking and rugby man. And, uh, but I prayed for him and I believed for his salvation. And 1996, 90, uh, 1996, he got cancer. And, uh, and it just opened up a door for Sharon and I to go and begin to speak to him. And, you know, a few days, and, and, and he allowed us to pray for him. And then a few days before he died, he came around home and uh, two fantastic things happened. One was that he'd been alienated from my youngest sister and uh, for quite a few years and they weren't on talking terms. And we arranged that they would reconcile at our house a couple of days before he died. And, 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 I, and the other thing was that I got to lead my dad to salvation. And, uh, and he was as hard as hard before that. And I went to see him in the hospice a few days after that, he, like, you know. And uh, the last time I saw him that night, all he wanted to talk about was Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. And I got to pray for him and I got to bless him and I got to thank God for all the great qualities in his life. And, you know, if you've got a family member who's hard, don't give up. Don't give up. If they're still breathing, they can be saved. And, and with prayer and, and commitment, there'll come an opportunity where God will give you that uh, opportunity, that opportunity to share with them. So I just want to leave you with a few things. I want to fin finish off with, with just something to equip you going forward, how, how, to, how to be a great message for Christ. You know, the fact is you, you're the message. You're unique. If, you, if, you, if you're online this morning, you are unique. You are a walking, living message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have a message to share. You have a message to share. And one of the things I've always done in my life is I've accepted all people. I've accepted people from all walks of life and all cultures. And, and, and you have to accept people. And uh, the last couple of years, God's opened up a doorway into the prison. And I love going into the prison. And I could get in there and I just connect with them heart to heart, you know. And, uh, and I have an impact and I make sure they, they hear that they're created. I make sure they hear that, they, that God has a plan for them and a purpose, that they're not a mistake. I make sure they hear that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ. I make sure they know when I leave that I encourage them all that, you know, even in their own personal time in their cells, if they draw near to God, He'll draw near to them. I teach them that praying is just talking to God. You don't have to do this, just talking to God, eyes closed, eyes open. It's just sharing your heart with God. And, and, and you know what? They know that I accept them. They know that. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was there and there was a guy at the end of it and he came up to me and he said, you know, um, he said, I always thought, he had said to me through the, through the time that, um, that his father left when he was one or two and his mother couldn't handle him and went, this guy's 49. And he came up to me, he said, you know, he said, I always, and he had kind of very teary. He said, you know, I always thought I was a mistake. I always thought I was a mistake. And because I thought I was a mistake, 
I accepted the fact that I made lots of mistakes. He accepted it in the same package. I'm a mistake, so therefore everything I do is going to be a mistake. He actually believed that. And I said, you know, and, and I said, you know, you've, all this time you've believed a lie. You believed a lie. One, that you're a mistake because you're not. You, you, you've got great purpose in God and, and you're not a mistake and the things you have done aren't a result of that. And he was powerfully, powerfully touched. So, uh, you know, and with my background, I love going into the prisons, but you know, I sit on, I sit on boards uh, with directors, multi-millionaires, companies around the world. I can sit on, I sit on boards with them and I have the same heart for them because they may not have the signs of needing Christ, but they need them, need Christ. You know, the, whether they're wealthy, poor, in gangs, they all need Jesus Christ. And so I can, I can, I can uh, you know, we need to accept all people. Another thing is we need to be in the world. We need to get amongst people. You know, Jesus got in amongst people. You know, they said that He was a friend of sinners. You know, He, 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 he hung out in places where the sinners were. And He didn't indulge in their sin. He didn't indulge in that. But He would eat with the tax collectors and He would eat with the prostitutes and He would, and he would eat with the homosexuals if they were here. And he would, he would hang out with them and He wouldn't judge them, you know. And, and we need to do the same. We, just, we need to be the life of God to people. And you know, the last thing I've got here is don't judge people. Don't judge people. If people aren't saved, then it doesn't really matter what the sin is. If people aren't saved, it doesn't matter what the sin is. So therefore, we embrace all people. We accept all people. We love all people. And we make ourselves available for all people. Why don't we just close our eyes at the moment? if you're here today or you're watching online and you haven't made that first response of salvation, you haven't made that first response of, of committing your heart to Jesus Christ, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Either here or if you're online, I want to give you that chance to say yes to God. To say yes to God. If you're here this morning and that's you, you haven't made that commitment or you've made a commitment a long time ago and you're ready to come to Him again and encounter His love, encounter His presence, then why don't you just raise your hand quickly in here this morning. Is there anyone here this morning that's, that's ready to, to, to commit their hearts to Jesus Christ? If you're online this morning and you're watching and you've just tuned in or, or you, you're in a place where you haven't received Jesus yet or you want to, then I'll just want, if you just respond in your heart now, I just want to pray. Father, I just pray for anyone watching now that Father's committing their heart to Jesus. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would touch them, you would meet them where they are. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and, uh, and you need prayer, if, uh, if, if uh, you've got family members, or you've got people that you want to reach out to and you want someone to stand with you and pray, then I want to welcome you to come up this morning. Are you encouraged this morning? I just want to say as you, you are the walking, living epistle message of the gospel. Why don't we give Jesus a clap? He's so good. He's so good. Please feel free to come up for prayer.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just give you praise this morning. Father, we thank you for our salvation. Father, we're so thankful. You know, Romans, Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, while we we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ has died for people out there. Christ has died for your friends. Christ has died for the people in your world. Father, we thank you. Father, I just pray for every person here this morning. Father, I pray that they would be encouraged and equipped to take the gospel, the life of God to, to everyone in their world. In Jesus' name.